Thanks for joining us for the special Mideast Prophecy Edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Barag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. shares the Mideast Prophecy Update from an Arab perspective as he connects the dots of current events geopolitically with last day's prophecies biblically. It is our belief that the next event on God's prophetic clock is the rapture of the Church of Jesus Christ. It is our hope that these Bible prophecy updates will not only ready you and steady you for His return, but that they will also encourage you to share the gospel with others in order that the rapture will not be as a thief in the night. As humans, we're so quick to forget some of the hard times we've been through. We like to go on living as if nothing has happened and everything's normal again, even when it's not. In today's Prophecy Update, Pastor J.D. encourages you to not dismiss what you've been through, but to let it drive you closer to God. Now, don't forget to stay with us after today's Prophecy Update to learn how you can become a Facebook friend or watch the weekly Prophecy Update at jdfarag.org. Now, here's Pastor J.D. with today's Prophecy Update as shared on April 23rd, 2023. All right, here's what we're going to do today. I'm going to incorporate a play on words using the well-known idiom of making a mountain out of a molehill. This idiom refers to one overreacting or exaggerating the severity of a seemingly minor issue, making it something much bigger than it really is, making a mountain out of a molehill. Well, it's making something out of nothing, as it were, but I'm going to reverse it in the sense that instead it's taking something and making it nothing. Are we okay so far? All right. Let me be more specific. I'm reversing this idiom because the major mountain of Bible prophecy is being downplayed and made to be nothing but a molehill. And it's being made so by many people today, and one need look no further than to the conspicuous absence and deafening silence concerning Bible prophecy in the church today. And if this weren't bad enough, even those who do talk about or teach Bible prophecy, they're making a molehill out of the prophetic mountain of the last three years. Would you agree? Like many of you, I too am baffled by this. I'm bewildered by this as I witness this. I truly cannot understand why it is that only a few actually see this, especially professing Christians and even worse, pastors. Pastors who should know better, but act as though everything that's happening is really nothing, which is why they say nothing. 
And when this happens, what ensues is what always ensues, which is a deafening of the ears to hear and blinding of the eyes to see. So as I've inquired of the Lord and sought to understand why this is so, the only thing that comes anywhere close to understanding this is that some people are just stuck in a time warp. Stay with me. Perhaps you've heard that humorous quip with variations from the original, which is, hey, the 70s called and they want their hair back. (laughs) Oh good. I don't expect I'll ever get a call like this. I don't have an afro to give back to the 70s, so. Now, why am I referring to this humorous quip? Because it's like this. Hey, the year 2019 called and want their normal business as usual lifestyles back. Can you make that connection? To the question of why some people are stuck in this time warp, I would lovingly suggest that it's because they're fully given over to what's known as a normalcy bias. What's a normalcy bias? Well, it's a bias that leads people to minimize at best and dismiss at worst the seriousness and urgency of a situation. Make a molehill out of a mountain, if you prefer. It's for this reason that I chose the title of making a molehill out of a mountain. It's an apt description of the world today. And what makes this so heartbreaking is that it's also an apt description of the church today. In my time together with the Lord, as of late, I've been revisiting and meditating on the book of Revelation. And in so doing, I found myself, and this is not hyperbole, I mean this in every sense of the word, stunned. I mean, it is stunning. I'm stunned at the unspeakable horror that is coming upon a Christ-rejecting world in the seven-year tribulation. So stunning is this horror, it gives me pause when I consider how that mankind still won't repent after the death of over half of the population on earth. Can I draw your attention to Revelation 9? I'll begin reading in verse 18 and just real quick give you the backstory so that you have a better understanding. I think it'll be germane to our understanding. I mean, the plagues are being poured out. And large segments of the population are being killed because of said plagues. So we pick it up at verse 18 
And we're told by these three plagues, a third of mankind was killed. Now that's in addition to the population that was killed prior to these plagues in chapter 9. So a third of mankind, a third of whatever was left at that time, or is left at that time in the tribulation will be killed. How? By the fire and the smoke and the brimstone which came out of their mouths. Whose mouths? Oh, the description is just unimaginable, unfathomable, likened unto locusts that have tails that sting and kill, that are released. The implication being that heretofore they've been held captive until this time. And then they're released and they're given this power and they kill mankind in a horrific way. For verse 19, their power is in their mouth and in their tails, for their tails are like serpents having heads, and with them they do harm. But, verse 20, the rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues did not repent. I cannot wrap my mind around that. It's akin to at the end of the millennial reign on earth, earth being in the condition it was before sin entered the world, the perfection and beauty of the Garden of Eden, 1,000 years of rule and reign of righteousness. And at the end of the millennium, Those that were born in the millennium, those who entered the millennium, they'll have a choice to make at the end of the millennium. And it is just flabbergasting that some, after 1,000 years of that environment, that, that righteous rule and reign, They don't make the right decision for Jesus Christ. They reject Jesus Christ. I mean, it's comparable, I suppose. But after all of this, and they did not repent. They did not repent of what? Listen to this list. They did not repent of the works of their hands, that they should not worship demons, and idols of gold, silver, brass, stone, and wood, which can neither see nor hear nor walk. And, verse 21, they did not repent of their murders or, listen, sorceries or their sexual immorality or their thefts. Wow. What makes this even more difficult to comprehend is that the book of Revelation is the only book in the entire Bible that promises a blessing. No other book in the Bible promises a blessing to those who read it, hear it, take it to heart. This is Revelation 1-3. 
Blessed is the one who reads the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear it and take it to heart. That's important. What is written in it, why? Because the time is near. I'm actually titling our verse-by-verse study through Ezekiel, The End Is Not Just Near, The End Is Here. Because the Lord declares in Ezekiel, particularly chapter 7, several times, the end has come. The end has come. Now, (laughs) hang in there with me, because we have quite the conundrum here. What's the conundrum? Well, the conundrum is in reconciling chapter 1, which is pre-tribulation, by the way, with chapter 9, which is during the tribulation. In other words, how is it possible that the one who reads, hears, and takes to heart the words of this prophecy will be so blessed? I mean, I just read chapter 9 about this unspeakable horror that is coming upon a Christ-rejecting world, And at first, I'm not so blessed, actually. That is until I take it to heart. We talked about this, actually, in Ezekiel chapters 4 and 5. I mean the judgment that comes upon Judah, the captivity in Babylon, the destruction of Jerusalem, unspeakable. And at the end of that chapter, you just, when you take it to heart, you realize, wait a minute. Thank you, Jesus. How blessed am I? Now, lest one think I'm being morbid. No, think of it like this. I'm not going to be here for this. That's the blessing. It's actually a twofold blessing, and we'll get to the second part of this. But I am blessed. Why? Because I'm saved and I'm not going to be here during this seven-year tribulation. And so the blessing comes vis-a-vis taking to heart and taking heed to the seriousness of this mountain instead of minimizing it or even dismissing it. Now, let me explain how I get there. The reference in chapter 9 concerning how they would not repent, has the inference that they could still repent, right? They would not repent. In other words, there was still time. They still could have repented, but they wouldn't and didn't. This is the grace of God and the blessing from God in and of the book of Revelation, in the sense that taken to heart, there would be repentance, which is a change of heart. It's been rightly said that if we change our minds, God then will change our hearts. That's what repentance is. However, they don't repent in the seven-year tribulation which may in some way explain why they don't repent 
prior to the seven-year tribulation. And by the way, parenthetically, let me say that the reader of the book of Revelation in the tribulation after the rapture, they're reading chapter 9, or not just reading chapter 9, they're living chapter 9. How much of a blessing will this book be to them if they do repent, if they do take heed, and they do take to heart the words written in this prophecy? I mean, if you think about it, God forbid any of us were to go through something like that. I'm probably a wimp, I'll confess it, but man, the first sight I get of one of these things, whatever they are, you know, the, the tail of a serpent, and it's got heads on it, what in the whole? And then it's a, like a locust, you know how locusts swarm, and they devour everything in their path? I mean, as soon as I heard the swarm sound, I'm on my face. Oh God! You might say, I've had a change of heart here. I've had a change of mind. You might say, I repent. Oh God, oh God. And that is the blessing. That's the twofold blessing. Now, I need to sort of turn a corner here and start by asking this rhetorical question. If you're not going to live for Christ before the tribulation, what makes you so sure you're going to die for Christ in the tribulation? Do you see why I'm quoting this rhetorical question? Actually, this also explains why there's no repentance now, nor is there repentance then, when this is happening. Namely, they won't take to heart the mountain, the mountain of evidence, and they make it into a molehill. And this molehill is made under the banner of not believing it's a mountain, or worse yet, not wanting to believe it's a mountain. That's not a play on words. I think about again Ezekiel and Jeremiah before him, and even Isaiah as well. How many times these prophets would prophesy this is what's going to happen. And the people didn't believe it. The people didn't want to believe it. This is what is going to happen. Nah, it's not going to happen. And here's Isaiah, here's Jeremiah, here's Ezekiel, and I'll add Daniel too, both of whom, Ezekiel and Daniel, are in Babylon. Actually, Ezekiel's in Tel Aviv, not Aviv, in Israel, but Abib, they're in modern day Iraq, and Daniel in Babylon, and they're prophets sent by God to the captives, because there were all these false prophets telling the captives in Babylon, hey, don't listen to Jeremiah and Ezekiel or Daniel, their cheese gone slid off their cracker. <laughs> kind of like that, I should have add a little bit more southern draw to that. Yeah, but they told us that 
God, the word of the Lord, thus says the Lord, we're going to be here for 70 years. Now that's not going to happen. They're making a mountain out of a molehill. It's not going to, it's not going to be that bad. It's not going to be that long. In fact, if I were you, I wouldn't get too settled here. You know what happened, don't you? At the end of the 70 years, spoiler alert, (laughs) when the captivity was over, um, few Jews returned to Jerusalem. They were so comfortable there in Babylon. Well, what's the point? The point is you had these false prophets that were telling the people, that, nah, this isn't a mountain. He's making a molehill out of a, he's making a mountain out of a molehill. It's just a little itsy bitsy molehill. We're just going to be here for a little itsy bitsy molehill of time. Oh, this whole thing that's happening over the last three years, it'll just be one of those pages on the calendars of history that will eventually end up on the dust heap of history. And they say it with such conviction. I'm like, what? What? Wait, you you don't? It's a mountain. This is a mountain. And you're like, no, it's not. It's a little, little molehill. You know what this is? It's a textbook case of denial. And Denial is at the core of the aforementioned normalcy bias, and sadly, this is exactly what we're witnessing today. Now, for those asking what an update like this is intended to accomplish, let me first say, don't let molehill people unduly influence you. Uh, This is a thing. (laughs) I think if we're honest with ourselves, we'd have to admit that doubt can set in about whether or not we're the ones that are actually making a mountain out of a molehill. Maybe it is just a molehill, and I'm making it bigger than it really is, and over-exaggerating it, and overreacting to it, and truth be made known, This is the most common accusation leveled against those of us who take this so seriously, for the mountain that it is. So much so that people think we're the crazy ones. As such, if an update like this accomplishes nothing more than encouraging those who think they're crazy, that they're not, then praise be unto God. Glory be to the Lord. Then this update has accomplished its intended end. No, you're not crazy. (laughs) I'm not going to take that any further, (laughs) because we are all fallen. We're all a little bit crazy. Just look at your pastor, and you'll... (laughs) Anyway, like I said, I'm not going to take that any further. Don't you take it further either. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Some of what you've heard today may have encouraged you in your faith, and at times it may have brought up more questions that you would like answered. 
If you're wanting to get in touch with us, go to jdfarag.org and find the contact link at the bottom of the page. That's jdfarag.org. There, you can let us know some of the questions you might have, and we'll get back to you and try to answer those questions as best we can. While you're on our website, feel free to check out additional teachings from Pastor J.D. If what Pastor J.D. shared today has you really confused about what it means to know Jesus and life beyond this life, there's a resource for you that might be helpful. At jdfarag.org, find the ABCs tab. This will walk you through what it means to have a saving knowledge of Jesus and what that means for you going forward. Once again, our website is jdfarag.org. If you're ever in or near the Kaneohe area, we'd love to have you come join us. Come visit Calvary Chapel Kaneohe on Sundays and Thursdays for a time of worship, fellowship, and in-depth Bible study with Pastor J.D. You can find service times and directions on our website. Just scroll to the bottom and click on Calvary. Again, that's jdfarag.org. Thanks for listening in to the Prophecy Update for today. We hope you'll join us for our next edition of In Spirit and Truth, where Pastor J.D. has much to share with you about what God's been putting on his heart. The Bible and its prophecies are not to be taken lightly. And so we'll keep digging in on In Spirit and Truth.